Well, welcome everyone to the Robin Walters Show. God bless you all. Of course, so much to fit in here. Hey, I, I want to thank all the listeners that, that picked up last week's program, which was Thanksgiving in the last days. I felt like it was an anointed program. At least that was my sense. Anyway, and the things that God showed me uh, during that. If you haven't heard it, it's not confined to the, th- the holiday of Thanksgiving. I did it then because that was the holiday, but it is applicable 365. Uh, I think you would do well to listen to it. I had great response, and I appreciate the people who did respond. Also, I want to mention, though, I've been a couple of weeks ago, we haven't had a lot of Rumble users these last few weeks because, as I mentioned, we, uh, well, uh, we, I, I messed it up in the instruction department as to how to get the program on Rumble. Two quick, easy ways. I'll get through it real fast. Again, if you just go to rumble.com forward slash user forward slash Robin Walters show. That's rumble.com forward slash user forward slash Robin Walters show. And then you can put it in your favorites. Uh, if it is indeed a favorite, then you'll have it in about one second, Start in, starting with the most recent program going down every program in reverse chronological order. Or if it's not your favorite program and you only plan to listen to this program about once every nine years, then you can just go to Rumble and over on the left where it says videos, hit that little scroll down. There's only two choices, videos and channels. You click on channel and then in the search bar, just type in Robin Walters show. You'll get the same thing. It's just a little bit slower. Okay. So much to cover today. Got to get going here. Uh, You know, I've touched on this in various forms, but the passage of the Senate and the House for this so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which Joe Biden is uh, going to sign, and it's going to institutionalize queer marriage, supposedly beyond the reach of the Supreme Court. And I shared last week how that may not be true, so I don't want to reiterate that part. But this really should be called the disrespect of a, of marriage act. This is a complete affront and a face a fist in the face of God to say that homosexual sex carries with it the blessing of God. It carries with it the curse from the devil. There is no place in scripture where you can even get close to the legitimization of sodomy because after all God calls it an abomination. And people say, well, Hey, that's Old Testament. That's passed away. Well, you know the ordinance of it's passed away. The handwriting on the wall is passed away. Those things, the, the the washing of the utensils and how the garments should be worn, those things have passed away because we have our Passover, and that is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that. However, God does not rewrite the New Testament to correct things that were an error in the Old Testament and particularly as it relates to things which he calls an abomination? How would something that God considers an abomination ever be purified? 
without anything else happening. Now, all of us can be purified by confessing our sin, including homosexuals, those that are involved in pedophilia and all the horrific stuff that's going on and becoming increasingly mainstreamed in this country. But without that confession, it's still an abomination. And it always, even with that confession, if somebody continues in it, says in 1 Corinthians 11, they don't go to heaven. Just That's just kind of the way it is. So with that, to call this act the respect for marriage, when it's really the disrespect. If Joe Biden had any respect for marriage whatsoever, he would veto the bill. Because it's not respect for respect for any. Oh, gosh. You know, it just. I, it, I've got to back away from this sometimes just because the. It is so overwhelming, and I try to get to some other topics, but it's difficult for me to stay away from the topics that guarantee that this country will go down the toilet, and this is one of them. This is absolutely one of them. Do I think it's over for this country? I'm going to tell you right now, yes, I do. Do I think it's over for you and for me? No, I do not. God has called us for just such a time as this. There were various prophets. There were various priests throughout all of the Old Testament that lived through and died in a time of horrific judgment upon the nation for its sins. They didn't go to hell. They did what they were supposed to do. Ezekiel is a classic example of somebody with a country going down the toilet who nonetheless stood the test of time, did what God told him to do, to be faithful and share what Israel needed to do to be saved, knowing that they were going to reject Ezekiel's word, but nonetheless Ezekiel had to share that word. Sort of where I put this ministry, but I've shared that before. No, I really don't. I think that that this is a time where you prepare for what's ahead. And I'll tell you why I think that. Not just because... This nation has been so blessed. This nation was launched under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the Scripture says judgment begins where? At the house of God. Judgment begins in the place that was that was supposed to be and once was the holiest. And then turns its back is where judgment begins because those are the ones who knew better, know better, and to whom much is given, much is required. So, but there's something else here. I remember in 2003 when the state of Massachusetts legalized queer marriage. And about a year after that, there I read an article from some homosexual, an excerpt from some homosexual publication, or a quote from a prominent homosexual in Massachusetts who said, look, we, ha we have gay marriage now. I'm quoting him. That's, I don't use that term. There's nothing gay about it. But he said, but he said well, we, we know that it's fine. And the reason is because the sky hasn't fallen. Judgment hasn't come down. There's nothing that has happened here that would indicate that somehow we have displeased God. So because nothing has happened, as it says in Scripture, all things continue on as they were, leads people to believe that they have the blessing of God 
somehow, or they have God's winking or blinking at their sin and that they will not be held accountable. That's what they think. Everybody, you let anybody get away with anything for a certain period of time, and they will think that they have God's approval, or they have their parents' approval, or they have the government's approval, or their teacher's approval. If the discipline does not fall real quickly, the party will continue in their sin under the mistaken belief that it is okay or maybe even distinctly approved of and encouraged. I'll give you an analogy. I've had a couple of horses. I'm not a horse guy, per se. I'm definitely not a cowboy. I can sort of dress the part from time to time, and I like Western attire. But don't no, no person who rides a horse should just think they're a cowboy because they're on a horse and they got the hat and the boots, right? There's an old saying about those who fake it, all hat and no cattle. Meaning you got the you got the big stets and ten gallon hat on, um, but that's just dress. That's not that doesn't mean you could you would know what to do with a cow if your life depended upon it. But there is something that applies here that I do know from in the training, particularly of my second horse. And that is if the horse did something wrong, something I distinctly disapproved of. If I did not address that act of rebellion or disobedience or not following instructions instantly, I mean within about two seconds, the teaching opportunity for that horse was gone. The horse could not make the connection after about 10 seconds or five seconds even between what they did wrong and your discipline. Whatever that form was, they cannot make that connection. They, they, they. It has to happen immediately for them to make the connect that hey, this is wrong and there's a consequence. So, what if you told your eight-year-old child, if you do this again, you're not going to get a present at your high school graduation ten years from now? You think that has any impact? Of course not. There has to be an immediate connection. And there have been those times where God has acted quickly, but he's been long-suffering. It seems as though God would have us sort of uh, come to the confessional, so to speak, without there being a disaster associated with it to bring us there. But that's not the way it's been historically. It just isn't. And I want to use the example of Noah here. Okay, so Noah is instructed to build the ark. And God makes a statement in Genesis. He says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Man was wicked. Man was evil. God repented, meaning he was sorry that he had even made man. There were only eight that he was going to save. Noah, his wife, three sons, and their three wives. Apparently, they didn't have any grandchildren at that point in time. And so, my spirit shall not always strive with man. There's a point where God is just simply done. The die is cast. But this is the point you need to grab hold of. 
Because the die is cast does not mean that whatever is going to happen will happen immediately. Now, using Noah as an example, he says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Man shall have 120 years. Now, a lot of people think that that Noah spent 120 years making the ark. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but that's not what Scripture says. It just says that he that that God was going to reserve the judgment for 120 years. In other words, the die was cast, the sentence was set, but the act wasn't carried out for what would constitute of four to six generations. He's long-suffering, but nothing was going to change it. When Israel was exceedingly sinful under the reign of Manasseh, the repentance of Manasseh's grandson, who was king, Josiah, did not change God's position. And that was when they were disobeying under the Old Testament where they didn't even have the Holy Spirit within them. How much more accountable are we when we have a nation that's been actually inspired by and with people filled with the Holy Spirit? So don't think that when I say the die is cast, I believe it. But I believe that for about 15, 16 years. The event of recent, and you will see what I'm talking about by the time I finish this program. You say, well, God could turn this around. Yes, he could. But I don't see that at this point, and I don't see where it has ever happened once in Scripture apart from Nineveh, which never knew the word, too much is given, much is required, so they were never given anything. So that's why God didn't require anything of them. Just repent. There doesn't need to be any spanking associated with it. When you get over to Israel, every time they fell into that deep, deep sin, their repentance did not come without a huge national spanking. And does, uh, does the U.S. recover from it? I don't know. And the reason I say I don't know is because we aren't promised that in Scripture. Israel was and is. They will not be erased off the face of the earth. There will always be a remnant for Israel. There's 700 plus scriptures in in the Bible that reference directly or indirectly the permanence of Israel. They are always going to be here in some way, shape, or form. They will not be wiped out. United States, uh, no, we don't have that promise. And it's elitist for us to think that we do. So when you have this uh, president, loosely so-called, who has this utter disrespect for marriage, and yet calls himself a Christian, and all these others who call themselves, well, I'll tell you, there's an absolute war on Christianity, the likes of which this country has never had. Now, what I was going to get to this week, and I mentioned last week, I don't know if I'll get to this week. I'm going to have to push it down as to the ultimate root cause, and it lies in the pulpit. And I'm going to bury you with Scripture, proving that very point. But I have to deal with this. 
because we have a, we have a, an administration, we have people, uh, whether you know academia, whatever, that just lie, 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 lie. I mean, Jean Pierre, lesbienne, gets on on the news and said, uh, "Board uh, Biden has been to the border." Well, I don't know, maybe nineteen years ago. Who knows? Was is that is that what we're talking about? And yet, and here are the Republicans, who who seem to feel like, hey, there's one issue we can no longer touch, and it's anything dealing with marriage, sex, these trannies, queers, you name it, homosexual adoption. We can't touch those, but we're going to try to look really conservative by focusing on the border, which does need to be addressed. Uh, we're not going to pass a defense bill unless they release and uh, let up on the vax mandate in the military. Well, that's that's good. I support all those things. But there seems to be a hyper-intensity on all issues to make them look like they're doing the job while at the same time skirting the most important moral issues in this country, dealing with abortion and queer marriage, which we had 47 Republicans support the Disrespect for Marriage Act and 12 Republican senators for the dis- the Mormon church. Everybody's just saying, you know what? We just got to do this so we can get along. Well, you know what? The the, the homosexuals, the left have, have been do- doing this for 20 years. They keep pushing the envelope. It started with domestic partner relationships in California for those who are 62 years old and older. I said that back then, back in the late 90s. This is just the beginning, folks. This isn't the end. If you give in, if pastors, you don't stand up, it'll go from domestic partnership for 62-year-olds to domestic partnerships for 18-year-old and above. Then it'll go to queer marriage. Then it'll go to queer adoption. It doesn't stop. And where are we today? we got films like, what, Downstate, that just glamorize pedophilia. They're approached by too many cowardly, gutless Republicans. And sad to say, which I will go deeper into next week, gutless pastors who want so badly to get along, they keep compromising, forgetting that when you compromise with evil, that compromising with evil is evil. If you give in and things just keep moving left incrementally, bit by bit, you just get, how on earth could you imagine that you would have between the Senate and the House 59 Republicans voting to nationalize and institutionalize queer marriage 10 years ago. How about five years ago? How about two years ago before Biden? No. Wouldn't have had that. This is how fast the collapse is occurring. So they don't want to talk about all these things that uh, that are just a little touchy-feely. They would rather just get get involved and look really, really conservative on all the other issues except for the ones that are the most important, abortion and queer marriage and all of these relational topics and issues because the federal government now has the license to wage war on Christianity and ram cram slam and jam LGBTQRSD UVWXYD right down your throat. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have used that term, but I only meant that as an illustration. Metaphorically, let me put it that way. This is this, this, and 
if all these other things we're talking about are somehow over on the abortion side, if well, it's not just abortion. Abortion is a destruction of marriage. Gender mutilation is a destruction of of. Uh, I'm sorry, abortion is the destruction of children. Gender mutilation is a destruction of children. Transitioning is a destruction of children. The corrupt, evil crap that passes as education, loosely so-called in government schools, is the destruction of children. Pre-birth, at birth, post-birth, wherever you can get them right up to and including the precious little college uh, your precious little college indoctrination for which they go deeply in debt for a worthless degree. If, if all these other issues are more important than protecting our children, my goodness, than saving our children, it, it would be, it's, it's like saying that the biggest sin of Hitler was that he didn't fully implement better health care policies. And trying to sound like you're really anti-Hitler for all the things that he didn't do, not but leave out the one cardinal sin that he really did do. My goodness. The lies continue. All right, I, I've taken up too much time. I apologize. I've got to get to some of these other things. Some of the absolute incompetanos which is uh, my own Spanglish version of incompetent people. The incompetano herself, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. And I could do some yelling at this woman. She insists that inflation, which we're all experiencing, I mean, unbelievably, is a result from the consumers buying too much. You heard me right. She is blaming. This is what the Democrats do all the time. They do all the dirty work, and if they they'll deny it, if they can't deny it, they'll obfuscate the issue. If they can't succeed in obfuscating the issue, then they'll point the blame at Republicans or just somebody somebody else. So here's what she's saying. Okay, these prices are going up, but you consumers are buying so much of these higher price items. You're really causing inflation. Wait a second. The, it's hard to wrap your brain around this nutcase explanation of inflation. That inflation is caused by those who are suffering from it. Not those who, not somebody else who's imposing it upon us, but by us. See, if we're going out, we're paying 20% more for a barbecue grill than we should have to, then we're causing it because we're actually paying more for the grill. We're paying, we're, we're at fault for spending more for we're causing the the inflation for food because we're paying more for food therefore we're an accomplice to the act of inflation does janet yellen not have a clue as to the what the the cart before the horse analogy that she's trying to make the consumer at fault for paying too much for things that they need as though there's a what's the alternative janet baby 
Go into the stores and steal. That's what a lot of people are doing. Rip off stores where the stores don't do anything and just let people go out in California with $969 worth of merchandise because it's only a misdemeanor. So the thieves can walk into the store with a calculator, add it up to make sure it doesn't hit 970, walk out, dump all the goods in the van and come back in clean and start over again. Janet, you think... You're blaming us for spending too much for things and because well, what are we supposed to do? Just starve and not buy a doggone thing and and wait till barbecue grills go down thirty percent at Home Depot because they're overstocked or whatever the goods are. This is gaslighting. Remember that term? We talked about it about two months ago. We did a program on it. I'm going to go deeper into gaslighting than you ever thought. But before I get there, the I, I got to come back to this piece. Uh, it just it, it, it bothers me so much as downstate. The um, with the Washington Post calling downstate just this pedof- this pedophilia based program brilliant. Pedophiles need to be executed. Clear. Those who sodomize, and it exists proportionately 750% more, pedophilia, based on a percentage of the population, is committed by queers and heterosexuals. 750% more. Seven and a half times more cases of queer pedophilia and sodomy than heterosexual abuse of minors. Fact. Go fact check it. It's a fact. And to have paper, this paper call this a brilliant film as they tr- start to mainstream this behavior and call it minor attraction. And then you've got Gavin Grusom, who's in the hunt for, for president, you know, he says he's not going to challenge Joe Biden. Of course he will. So what does he do the other day? Apparently he directs the uh, director of prisons in California to let out, as in release, commute the sentence for 7,000 pedophiles. Now, you probably heard that on Tucker, and Tucker spent a lot of time on it, and I'm not going to. But I do want to bring out a fact here. And it is a fact. 7,000 pedophiles, and that's just this year. Now you think, well, okay, let's go back to the numbers, a 750% number. Back in 2019, the State Institute of California and a digital block to Megan's Law website that prevented anybody from doing a more recent analysis on the number of pedophiles that were charged, convicted, and I and I and presume being let go in the state of California. So to understand, so I only can go back to 2019, but that's when they shut off access. Of course, California doesn't want to air its dirty laundry, doesn't want to shine a flashlight under its own refrigerator. But the site showed that in 2019, there were 61,770 
sex offenders in the state of California that were locked up. How many were pedophiles? Well, the site doesn't state that. But just keep that number, 61,770. Gavin Newsom lets out 7,000 child abusers, which would include heterosexual and homosexual. But now factor in this number, which the state of California is not telling you, that in when the, um, the investigation into this, back when you could get the data, that when there were 54,986 sex offenders listed in Megan's Law in California, 76% of those offenders... 76%, or almost 42,000, were sex offenders involving kids. Take 42,000 at that time, and then factor in the fact that 750% more homosexual acts sodomizing minors than hetero, not that the hetero abuse and penetration by a, a male into an underage female girl is anything good, is horrible. But the other is even worse, and it's 750% greater. So if you take that number, you're looking really at almost 30,000 homosexual pedophiles half of all of them, which means at least half of the 7,000. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't even paying attention to the clues given me that we were coming up to a break. Talked right into it. i got to wrap that part of it real fast. But let me just summarize it this way. There's every indication that if you can extrapolate from the numbers that we have up through 2019, that out of the 7,000 pedophiles that have been released... The great majority of them are homosexuals that committed sodomy. And they're on the loose. Lock up your daughters. Lock up your sons. They're on the loose. That's only this year. That And that number now exceeds what we believe to be more than 10% of all the pedophiles in the prison system. 
I want to share something most people would not know. I have preached in prisons, and um, not a lot, five or six times, or maybe, you know, under 10 for sure. And I want to tell you that when you go to these prisons, these prisons have their own hierarchy of morality. In other words, you could be in there for a triple-axe murder, but you are not as bad in their moral hierarchy as somebody who killed their wife or some violent domestic abuse. And the domestic abusers are deemed to be more morally worthy than anyone and anyone and everyone who molests children, be they queer or heterosexual, or abuse them in any way, child beating or child molestation. So much so, and how do I know this? I'll take one prison, Chuckawalla, out in Blythe, California, where I've preached three or four times. They had to have a separate division, a separate yard, a separate area to house the domestic abusers, particularly the child abusers who beat and sodomized children. Why? Because they, if they were mixed with the other prisoners, the other prisoners just have their way of finding out who's doing what. The other prisoners would absolutely beat the crap out of them, probably kill them. In other words, a man who would sodomize a boy or beat up his daughter physically was considered scum of a lower degree than murderers. They've got their own system, their own moral hierarchy, and even they know what sits at the bottom of the pack. What is the most offensive of all things? They themselves understand what Jesus said in Matthew, where he said that be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into the sea than to lead one of these little ones astray. Now, interesting, Jesus wasn't talking about actual child abuse in the form of beating them. He was talking about the broader things, whether whether it's teaching them satanic things to sexual abuse. Okay. We're mainstreaming it. 95% of all the child pornography in the world comes from the state of California. And the world comes from the state of California. Okay. I made the statement a few weeks ago that this country is I, I sense is going to be wiped out and, and who will take over who will rise to the fore? Who will God, like he did in the Old Testament, it says that God sold Israel. Another place it said, and God sold Israel. God always was selling Israel for its decadence after a long period of patience into the hands of foreigners. And there's one place in the Old Testament, it's a very interesting passage. I just thought of it a second ago, so I can't pull it up. But there is a marauding band. I want to say that they're Assyrians, but I'm not sure. That they they worship false gods. But they were so bothered by the gods that Israel worshipped and Israel's practices 
Now, I'm not talking about godly practices or the worship of Yahweh. No, this was a sinful nation who had the idea of righteousness and how you serve gods was totally screwed up. There was, there was multiple gods, not just one. But they were so off base, and yet as off base as they were, they looked at the degree of degradation in Israel as being screwed up, not because they were doing the right thing, but because what Israel was doing was even worse than what they were doing. Even though they thought they were doing the right thing, they were motivated to wipe out Israel at that point in time and attack them because of how egregiously and insanely reprobate they were. They were more reprobate than those who actually worshipped a false god. That's the irony. It's the people with worshipping false gods that found Israel to be even uh, to be ripe for destruction. And of course, it was God that put the hook in those people to come and do that to the nation of Israel. So let me get to the point of abortion here for a minute. There is an international, the Geneva Consensus Declaration. Are those nations, nations, who have signed a pledge to uphold pro-life, in other words, you know pro-life, all right? The pro-aborts are anti-life. They're not pro-choice, they're anti-life. Don't use pro-choice. The child has no choice. He's dead. She's dead. So much for women's freedom, women's choice, when 50% of those executed are girls. They're anti-life. But the Geneva Consensus Declaration focuses on two things, pro-life and pro-family, pro-traditional family. Now, this is what it's interesting. 37 countries in the world are signatories to this pledge to uphold pro-life and pro-family policies within the last this in within the two years of when this Geneva Consensus Declaration was declared. So let's find out. Let's just take a look at what nations actually follow a biblical perspective on family marriage, and the sanctity of life in the womb. I've got the list. I can't pronounce all of them. I've got the list. So listen for two, two things. Pay note to what you hear, and also pay attention to what you don't hear me say. These are the nations in alphabetical order. Bahrain. Belarus, Benin, Brazil, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, the DBC, Congo, Djibouti, Egypt, Eswatini, never heard of that nation, Gambia, Georgia, Guatemala, Haiti, Hungary, Indonesia, Iraq, Kenya, Kuwait, 
Libya, Nauru, which I think is an island in the Pacific, I'm not sure, Niger, Oman, Pakistan, Paraguay, Poland, Qatar, Russian Federation, Saudi Arabia, Senegal, South Sudan, Sudan, Uganda, the United Arab Emirates, and Zambia. Now, I want to focus on Qatar, where the World Cup is right now. The U.S. and England are winning, uh, doing a really great job. I couldn't give a rip about soccer. To me, it's boring, but what have you, to each his own. But we were determined that we were going to take over LGBT crap. So was England. Everybody wanted to, uh, the Western nations wanted to impose their LGBTQRSUVWXYZ agenda on the host nation, which doesn't do that garbage, doesn't engage in that debauchery. Now, supposedly they backed off, but boy, they have wanted it. They are pushing it. We export Sodom and Gomorrah national policies. So I ask you to do two things. To listen for certain things, to sit for what you heard, and to take note, take note of what you heard and to take note of what you didn't hear. Let me start with what you did hear. What are the Western nations that you heard out of these 37? There's two in South America, Brazil and Paraguay. There's two in Europe, Hungary and Poland. Two nations which I have highlighted their virtuous policies all across the board, from, from dealing with abortion to uh, more sexual morality. That's it. Two from South America and two from Eastern Europe. Where's, where's the U.S.? Where's Israel? Where's England? Where's Australia? Where's France? These nations are not signatories to two of the most important things to God and how a society conducts itself. The protection of its children and the protection of the institution of marriage. The two things, of course, Satan would like to destroy and is doing a really great job. We don't show up on this list. Israel doesn't show up. Israel has a card to play. They do, they're in Scripture. We aren't. So that's all you heard. Now I want to... Uh, uh, that's what you, you didn't hear. Now take note of what you did hear. How many of these nations, though we may not agree, of course, on a whole host of other issues dealing with um, religious freedom and freedom of speech and the right to keep and bear arms, but most of these nations are Islamic. Isn't this amazing that you go to the Islamic nations to find nations that reject the idea totally that abortion is a form of health care, which, of course, it isn't for 50% of the people that are involved because the child is dead. That's not good health care. Dead is not good. So take note of that. We export sin, and the Muslims, which are coming across the border, which have just rapidly increased in this country, Minneapolis, Dearborn, all over the place, are taking it over. And we may be sold to them because whether it's that, I tell you, you know, there, there's a school 
in Dearborn. I may have mentioned this before. They finally reversed the school's whack job, queer, LGBT, queer and tranny transitioning policies. Why? Because the community was Muslim and they wouldn't put up with that garbage from the elitist intellectuals running the, on the school board, running the school district into the ground and trying to hurt up the kids and march them off to hell. So what's the price that we pay for carrying on a notable and worthy proclamation daily of what we stand for? We're going to be vilified. And I want to share some. I may not be able to finish this, but whatever. Every year, Merriam-Webster's Webster's Dictionary will have the word of the year. It's the word that is... Um, draws the most hits online with people wanting to know what it means. Now, I want to, there, and there, each year there is a different word. This particular year, the word is gaslight. Now, I did a whole program on gaslighting. The people looking up the word gaslighting and what it means increased 1,700 and 40%. The absolute most looked up word by an absolute number and a percentage increase over previous year than any other word. And I want to quote from David Capellian, a great writer for World Net Daily. He brought together a whole bunch of thoughts of mine, and I'm going to read what I can of this, but because he gives a great explanation that the term derives from the classic 1944 film Gaslight in which an extraordinarily evil criminal who has recently gotten married psychologically manipulates his perfectly sane wife into believing she's going insane as a means of distracting her from uncovering his horrendous crime spree. From the movie emerged the modern psychological term gaslighting, which means to cause a person or a people to doubt his or their sanity through the use of psychological manipulation. Well, so why are so many people interested in learning about this? He said probably because Americans' current ruling elites, including not only the Biden-Harris administration, the Democratic Party, big tech, big media, deep state, academia, and an ever-increasing number of major woke corporations are literally gaslighting the rest of America every single day from morning until night in a dizzying and ever-expanding variety of ways. Indeed, gaslighting has become the number one psychological warfare principle of America's ruling class. One of the most obvious examples of the Biden administration gaslighting has been its ongoing campaign to not only demonize but induce paralyzing doubt, guilt, fear, and self-loathing into tens of millions of thoroughly decent, law-abiding Americans by continually denouncing them as racist, white supremacists, violent extremists, and domestic terrorists. In fact, in virtually every arena in which the war for America's future is being fought, those currently in power continually portray large segments of the American population, basically all those with whom they disagree, as essentially immoral, deplorable, and irredeemable people, indeed almost subhuman. 
A quick tour through some of today's key political and cultural battlefields brings us dynamic into sharp focus. The January 6th riot, the so-called armed insurrection, which was neither an insurrection by any known definition, since it did not involve one single armed protester, but rather consisted, aside from all the FBI, Antifa, and agent provocateurs on scene, largely of Trump supporters rallying in Washington, D.C., understandably upset at the likelihood that the election of their lifetime had been stolen, but with several hundred of them entering into the Capitol and committing some property crimes and other mayhem. Although these rioters have been absurdly accused of attempting to steal control of the entire United States government, in reality, stealing control of the United States government is precisely what the Democrats were obsessed with accomplishing, not just through rampant election fraud, but through Donald Trump's presidency. From illegal spying on the Trump campaign before the election to Robert Mueller's fraudulent three-year Russian collusion probe to the two fraudulent presidential impeachments, all coaxed along by the never-ending comparisons of Trump to Hitler and his administration to Nazi Germany. Take COVID-19. The entire COVID pandemic has showcased some of the most surreal gaslighting in modern history. For more than a year, the official narrative has been that COVID emanated uh, from a bat in Wuhan, China wet market at a time when there were no bats at the Wuhan market, but not from a level four bio lab just up the street staffed with Chinese military personnel that just happened to be conducting dangerous gain of function research on bat coronaviruses to make them much more dangerous to humans. But anyone doubting the bat in the wet market explanation and suggesting that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the more likely source of the virus. That is, anyone embracing honesty, common sense, and logic was mocked, censored, banned from social media, fact-checked to death, and branded a dangerous conspiracy theorist. That is, until it all turned out to be true, at which time the elites just simply moved on to a newer and fresher gaslighting opportunity. Apologies? Of course not. Never. Meanwhile, Americans reluctant to have their bodies injected with an experimental gene therapy loaded with massive downside risk and frightening unknowns have continuously been told it's perfectly safe and tens of millions are ordered to take the jab or lose their jobs. And if they prefer to treat their COVID infection or to prevent it prophylactically with wonder drugs, well, then such as ivermectin, whose discovery was honored with the Nobel Prize in 2015, they were made to feel like ignorant, gullible, and racist Trump-supporting deplorables by self-medicating with horse paste. In fact, the Department of Homeland Security under Biden released a graphic titled Potential Terror Threats, illustrating what the DHS considers the biggest terrorism facing Americans today. What's that top terror threat? Quote, opposition to COVID measures. Goodness sakes, it just goes on. I mean, I could go through abort, uh, immigration, the covering up of of uh, Biden's and his dementia. Let's go to abortion. Anyone who advocates the murder of children in the womb is considered by America's ruling elite to be a loving, enlightened defender and protector of women, even though half of all the babies being killed are female. However, if one believes that human life begins at conception, i.e., the science 
if somebody believes the real science and moreover comprehends that the human child in the womb is sacred, created in the image of God and worthy of every protection, that person is viciously demonized as immoral, anti-choice, anti-science, anti-woman, and anti-freedom, virtually an American Taliban scheming to impose an insane theocracy that enslaves women. In other words, pro-life people are terrorists. The transgender agenda, also claiming to be the party of science. Isn't this interesting? The Democrats claim that science is on the side of the vaccine. All lies. Most people dying today of COVID have had the vaccine. Fact. Wasn't a vaccine. Fact. Well, I'll get to that. I'm, I'm jumping ship for another boat here. The tranny agenda, claiming to be the party of science. Today's Democrats insist that men can menstruate. Men can get pregnant, have babies, and chest feed their children. This is obviously straight-up insane. Yet anyone who dares say the truth out loud is painted as bigoted, hateful, and immoral. The gaslighting involved in today's aggressive transgender movement, which increasingly includes seducing little children into undergoing irreversible medical and surgical desecration of their own bodies, is far more extreme than that dramatized in the movie Gaslight itself. Election fraud. I could go I, I could keep going on where anybody who dares to say that there's election fraud, that's conspiracy theory. We get blasted. It is gaslighting. It's verbally beating every conservative, everybody who dares to stand up, beating the absolute daylights out of them however they possibly can by denying them jobs, uh, vilifying them in the marketplace, firing them, uh, not letting people speak on campus because the left-wing nimrods that are there paying and going into debt to get a college uh, um, education. No, no, not quite. But to get propagandized in school, they're all were demonized to the point of shutting up, and some people start to just cave and think, how could so many people be wrong? I must be wrong. It is where the term came from, and it fits precisely. It is why you have to stand up. It's why when somebody say to me, oh, Mr. Waldo, you have to realize, of course, you have to realize that gay marriage is legal. Well, ma'am, you have to realize that screwing my neighbor's wife is legal. So, your point being what? Well, the point being that they think that that which is legal is moral. And if it's moral, then they can beat the tar out of us so that we have nothing to say. Unless we preach the gospel across the board, salvation, yes. But if we don't touch on what, why do we preach one ninety-eighth of the Bible and not the other 97, 98 of it on all the other topics? Because we're afraid that we are going to get beaten up. We have been gaslit without actually having to formally surrender. We've surrendered by refusing to open our mouth to take a stand. And what a waste 
to have spent a number of years serving the Lord, so be it, thinking that we've taken a stand, having done all to stand, we then kneel down and bow at the emperor who demands that we comply. Sit tall in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. Get out and go do it. In Jesus' name, amen.